This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Australia's Gordy is out with a new album. The record addresses her queer identity, something she hadn't come to terms with until recently. I have these moments when I panic, when I shut down and go manic, so eruptive and destructive like within I am volcanic. I spoke with Gordy about the album, as well as how the conversation around black lives is playing out in Australia. But first, I spoke with her about transitioning from music to the medical field amid the coronavirus pandemic. COVID has thrown a lot of curveballs to all of us. And the start of the year, I had finished my year-long medical internship. So I studied medicine for, you know, six, seven years. And then I did my first kind of postgraduate year working in a hospital last year um, and essentially took that year off music so I could sort of finish that year um, and 31st of January, I, you know, resigned and threw my backpack with my stethoscope in the corner of my bedroom and thought, I'm not going to need that for a while. And I flew to Europe a couple of weeks later and did a few shows with a band called Bears Den. And I was supposed to sort of be hanging around Europe and the UK um, until April. And then I was sort of, you know, going into the BBC, doing some interviews, and I was on like... Twitter, where I get my news, unfortunately, um, and saw that the states were closing their borders. And so I was like, oh, I better, you know, get home because no doubt Australia will follow suit. Um, so I jumped on a flight home and, you know, thinking, hope, hoping that my tours, upcoming tours would still go ahead like the Monsters and Men one. But I got home and, um, you know, gradually things were just starting to get sort of cancelled and postponed. And I was seeing what was happening around the world in, you know, Italy and Spain and New York. And I thought that I really need to be donating my time back to, you know, the medical world. So I called my old workplace and, you know, said, if you guys need someone, I'm now back here. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I offer very little. I'm a junior doctor, but I think, you know, a lot of cases they've just needed numbers of people. Um, and then I signed up to you know, the government initiative that was sort of looking for any spare medical personnel that were available. So I'm now on the list of what they call first responders um, so that if a department in a hospital gets sick or, you know, someone gets COVID and they all have to be quarantined for two weeks, then I go in with a team and we sort of replace those medical professionals for two weeks. But, you know, it was looking when I got back, like I was going to be launching back into this world of medicine. But as the weeks went on, Australia, it just didn't kind of escalate in the way that we anticipated. So I still haven't, you know, they kind of call me every two weeks and they're like, yeah, still, you know, still nothing. And I was like, oh, that's fine. So I think me being unemployed correlates with Australia's success at um, managing coronavirus. Yeah, good for good for you all. (laughs) (laughs) Different story over here. I mean, when when I hear you say like you studied for what is it six or seven years for a medical degree, like I'm just thinking in my head like, and things might be different in Australia, but man, medical degrees are a big commitment and also like a lot of money to fork out too. So like, why did you initially want to leave the medical field for music, like which is a a very different Mm. career? Yeah, no, it totally is. I think, you know, I, when I was in high school, I, I didn't think of, I didn't think basically that I would be able to have a music career. I thought it would always remain a hobby. Um, so I was looking at other avenues. Um, and, you know, I, I had a real interest in medicine. I had an interest in the human body um, and in sort of being in a, you know, a service type industry. And so I, 
you know, got into med and started kind of down that path, went through my first year of uni and I sort of was just writing songs and I, I really missed kind of playing, you know, live and performing. So I just started gigging and before long, you know, music sort of was starting to take off a little bit and the two things were sort of running side by side. I did come to a few moments like during my studies. I remember uh, playing CMJ in New York in 2015 and that was a real moment where I was like, I think I'm going to stop studying medicine and I'm just going to do music full time. Uh, but I was sort of, you know, three, four years in and I only had a couple of years to go and I just thought, I, like, I thought I would regret it if I didn't finish it. So, you know, the years of kind of 2016, 2017 were pretty hard going and I was sort of, you know, coming off tours, going into exams, going, you know, doing different rotations, catching crazy flights so I could make it back for some tutorial. Um, and it was, yeah, a bit of a kind of mental time. But I think the reason that I've always done it is because I just like my gut feeling has always been that I should pursue both. And, you know, there's never been a point where I've sort of been able to convince, like convince myself that I should sort of let one of them go. Um, and, you know, we're, we're fortunate over here that I, I sort of like in the way the university system works, it's not like I have, you know, we have a system called HEX. So it's like, it's not like I have any massive student sort of debt to pay back or anything like that, which is putting pressure on me. Um, so I, you know, I, I feel like I have a bit of a freedom to kind of choose now. And my plan for the foreseeable future is really to, you know, do a, a bit of music, like put a record out, hopefully tour it. And then the way of music is often, you know, you have those breaks from making records and in those breaks, um, I'll go back and do some medicine. Throughout the month of June, the Bandcamp proceeds for your track Unready will go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund as well as to the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency. And I'm curious why it was important for you to give to these two different organizations. The song was sort of coming out and, you know, we had it sort of slated for release and, um, you know, then with the death of uh, George Floyd happened and obviously all the protests around the world, mostly in the US, but there's been a a reaction worldwide and there's been protests here and we sort of went through a period where we were like do we sort of pull the release or you know what do we do and basically it was it was too late to do that and I thought it would be um just you know a bit blatantly insensitive if we kind of went and put a song out and paid no acknowledgement to sort of what was going on um and you know these are not new issues uh deaths in custody of people of color is not a new issue in America or in Australia but, you know, it is sort of garnering the focus of the world at the moment. Um, and, you know, I did go through a period where I was like, oh, I just putting out music feels like gross at the moment. You know, like it's sort of it, it's kind of like what who do I think I am putting this out into the world. But um, so, you know, I felt like I needed to do, you know, it's a small, very small thing, but I needed to sort of to to do something because I think that's that's sort of the the realization that everyone has come to that you just need to do something um, because you know for too long we've we've been doing nothing. 
Yeah. And I, you know, after the the death of George Floyd, I know in the U.S., I mean, obviously there's been like this ongoing long, as, as some people to say, it's not protests, it's just one long protest in Seattle. And I know it's really brought up a lot of conversations just at a national level about just, you know, systemic racism and oppression. And, and I'm just curious, you know, the death of George Floyd happened here in the States. And we have seen, you know, across the world protests happen, um, and just conversations happen in about race and police brutality. And I'm just curious, what has the conversation been in Australia around all of this? I mean, you're so much farther away. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think Australia's um, biggest shame is that is, you know, the the treatment by our first people, by white people. So, you know, the Indigenous Australians who have been here for a hell of a lot longer than any white person. Um, and, you know, the conversation's been ongoing. Like, there's been a real movement in the last few years to change what has been known as Australia Day on the 26th of January, um, you know, and now sort of people are calling it Invasion Day and that, you know, it, it shouldn't be celebrated because that marks the day that white people invaded uh, what was, a you know, an inhabited land, even though they, they sort of referred to it as, as largely uninhabited, which is just not true. So, you know, the Indigenous population, I think it makes up about 3% now of the Australian population, but it makes up about almost 30% of the incarcerated population, um, you know, which is just a horrifying statistic. You know, Indigenous people don't live as long as white people. There are more infant deaths in the Indigenous community than in the white community. Um, you know, the, the health statistics um, are just really shocking. And, you know, it's 2020 um, and that's sort of still ongoing. So I think, you know, you look around the world and it's the same issue everywhere, this sort of white dominance and, you know, people of colour just continually downtrodden and, and sort of those, you know, being a, being a horrible statistic. Um, so, you know, that is very much the case here in Australia. And the, you know, the Australian government didn't sort of apologise to the Indigenous people until about, I think it was 2007, <laughs> um, you know, for invading um, their country. So, yeah, it's a very systemic issue here as well. Yeah. I saw again that, that you were giving the proceeds to your song on Ready to the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency. And I, and I read that and then I started listening to your album and I was listening to the words in your song, Look Like You. Follow right behind them with a band Knowing that you cannot understand started thinking like, hmm, is this song a nod to Australia's Aboriginal population? What does this song mean to you? Look like you. Yeah, look, I, you know, commenting on all of this stuff, I, I do as a white woman um, and I cannot, you know, identify with the struggles that people of colour must go through. Um, but I do identify as a queer person um, and, you know, the queer community is is another minority that has been trodden on over and over again. And, you know, gay marriage only became legalised here a couple of years ago. And a lot of this record is about, you know, me coming to terms with, with being queer, which is something that I only 
you know, I only sort of came to terms with when I was 25 um, and something that only really sort of arrived at something that I had to uh, negotiate with when I was 25, which was, you know, it came out of left field for me, but it was also against the backdrop of this kind of gay marriage debate. Um, and that's really what Look Like You is about. So I wrote a lot of this record, um, you know, obviously around all those themes. And I don't know if you've seen that um, Hannah Gadsby's show, Nananette. She's an Australian comedian from Tasmania. And I actually saw the show. It's like a one woman show. Um, I saw it in New York. And she's a, a queer woman. And, you know, basically her show talks a lot about the the ingrained prejudices in the world, whether it's against people of colour or, or gay people, um, you know, or immigrants or, you know, whatever it might be. I am incorrectly female. I'm incorrect. And that is a punishable offence. And this tension, it's yours. I am not helping you anymore. You need to learn what this feels like because this, this tension is what not normals carry inside of them all of the time because it is dangerous to be different. And I'd, you know, spent most of my life being a, a straight white woman um, and really had never experienced what it was like to, you know, for someone to sort of point at you and say, no, you don't get what we get, you know, you don't get the right to get married and you don't have the same human rights as I do. Um, and, you know, it was enormously confronting. And so I wrote that song, Look Like You, because, you know, that line, like, you're looking at me thinking, why don't I look like you? Um, that's that's what all of these conversations are born out of and that's what all of these feelings, you know, revolve around that, you know, someone else's fear that you look a bit different to them. Because you're looking at me thinking, why don't I look like you? Yeah, you're looking at me thinking, why don't I look like you? I want to go out on a song and I want you to choose um, a song we go out on, a song that, that you really love or you love the backstory of that you want to share with us. Do you mean from my record? Yeah, from your record. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I was like, imagine if I chose on you, like, oh, I didn't mean that. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, well, given our, like, what we've just talked about, I think the most appropriate song would be Hate the World uh, from, from my record. Um, again, I, I wrote this song after seeing that Hannah Gadsby show I was talking about. If you haven't seen it, I would implore you to see it. It's a Netflix special now. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a really good um, piece of discussion. And I wrote this song after seeing it. And, you know, I kind of had, I don't know what I almost felt like was a bit of a, like a childlike response after seeing it, sort of looking at other people thinking like, how could you hate someone, you know, just based on the colour of their skin or how they identify or, you know, I just, I kind of couldn't get past that. Like how, how could you then, you know, have a child and raise that child to sort of hate somebody based on that premise. Um, and yeah, I, um, I called it hate the world because, you know, the last line is I, I would not presume to hate the world. Like I would, you know, I would never presume to, to hate someone because of those, you know, because of some arbitrary reason. Um, and so I don't know. Hopefully that'll be um, a point that we can all get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, the song is Hate the World. We're going to hear that in just a second. But I've been speaking with Gordy. Her album, Our Two Skins, was released on Friday. Gordy, thank you so much for chatting today. My pleasure. Thanks so much. My irrationality is like a nationality. I'd rather bear its flag, I know. 
And of my sensitivities Yes, some have taken liberties But they are everything I know And challenge all your empathy Let's move it at a glacial speed I'm running on persistence And give it just a little time It's always the familiar line So you have my resistance with Sound and Vision. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and consider giving a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound to help support this show. But most of all, thanks so much for listening.